0: This week's episode is brought to you by Jonathan Quick. No reason.
1: This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. Here's a breakaway. McKinnon.
2: Pure guts. Ah! They got nothing but guts. The cat, the gig, got
3: tackled by a Every
1: guy with three big old cow hearts, two pancreases. Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass and Look at the patient. My goodness. Guts all over the place. I can't believe it. And after 20.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for January 20th, 2019, which is a Sunday, not a Monday. Get some of that. Coming up on the show, the Avs finish up the Canadian road trip, toss up a Brazil, and demote Tyson Jost. But before we get into everything, let's introduce the disembodied voices for the week. Coming at you as usual is Earl06. Hello, Earl.
2: Hello, friends.
0: And joining us again is Rudo. Hey, Rudo. hey. Hey. Let's get into a disclaimer heavy sitch for the week. We're coming at you right after the game on Saturday afternoon, so a few games haven't been played yet. But as of right now, Colorado occupies sole control of the third place spot in the Central with 52 points, 8 behind second place Nashville, and 2 ahead of fourth place Dallas, who do play Winnipeg tonight. Anaheim are in the other wild card slot with 51 and then right on their heels we have Vancouver at 50, Minnesota and Edmonton at 49, and then some other pretenders, although really if you like the half of the West that are in the playoffs are pretenders. so that's kind of a you're kind of an arbitrary sort of division there. And the stars and the wild have been making trades too. More on that in a minute. Um, but hopefully Colorado are the only team that start winning games. On Monday, Avs win 6-3 in Toronto over the Maple Leafs, a game that pushed that fan base even closer to the proverbial ledge. With an almost all-Scandinavian effort from Colorado, a hat-trick from Carl Soderbergh. Well done there. Goals from Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog, and also Matt Calvert into an empty net. This game got off to a rough start, as the Avs allowed three goals in a minute and a half, start second, but one was called back for being technically offside. And they answered back strong, and ultimately limited one of the league's best offenses to 20 shots. Um... That offside review, like, yes, it's technically offside. Did it matter? No.
2: Yeah, I, you know, it was kind of a stay of execution for the az because I think, I mean, obviously the other goal wouldn't have happened, so it, it was pretty academic, but. Um, yeah. I, I think that probably kicked them into gear maybe a little bit quicker than just having that, you know, just having it count. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's
1: pretty funny. Uh, the goal that got called back, I think it was a minute 18 between the two goals. And after they brought it back, it ended up being a minute 15 between the two goals when they yeah, scored right, again. Right. So
0: They scored, and they scored a minute 18 later, and they scored three seconds earlier.
1: Which is it's actually weird. Uh, Toronto did that to us last year, too. Did Matthews they? got a goal called back and then immediately scored again afterwards. Yeah, so. the, the point goal.
0: Yeah. They lost that game too.
1: They sure did.
0: Not that that's any of my concern.
2: But I you know the the important thing was the response cuz right after that goal, the Avs really took control of the game or Carl Soderberg took control of the game. Um
0: And why do you think Carl Soderberg suddenly took control of a hockey game? Did anything strange happen? He just felt happen? like it, I guess.
2: No, he had new line mates. Um what we've been calling for for years, a year, a year and a half, let's say, um, is putting Carl Soderberg in a point in a position where he's not only defensively responsible and can handle you know, shutting down tougher lines. Uh, but he's also in a position with his line mates to be able to generate some offense. And he sure did during this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it shocks anyone that, Soderberg looks great when he's not with Calvert and Nieto. Um, we know he's good enough to be a second-line center when he's on his game, and playing him with people that can score at a little bit of a closer rate to second-line levels certainly helps him not only free up to do more things, but to be an extra weapon on the ice instead of being the only guy who can function at times. Uh, but the interesting thing for me is matt calvert now since they've split up the lines has three points and yeah one of them was an empty net goal or whatever but it seems like it is working on both ends of this flip so that's definitely promising
2: yeah i mean you know if you had asked me you know last week what i would do to the bottom three lines in the lineup sort of long term i would say make sure that Carl Mieto and Calvert are all on separate lines and make sure none of the guys on the fret line are together, you know, instead of having, you know, each of those groups together, split them completely apart. And I, I really think that's worked very well. And I, I know they, you know, Jared Bednar said that they have, you know, what whatever kind of tracking stats that they use say that those were the lines that they should have been using, but, I think breaking them all up as completely as they did, like they did um, this evening when Net- Matt Nieto was not with Kerfoot and Calvert and he was, he was with uh, Drace and Andregetto. <clears throat> that you actually have a fairly balanced bottom nine that you can use each line. I mean, the fourth is kind of a disaster, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but I, I, it just, it looks like a, a much more complete, Team, and I, I think you're right about Calvert maybe getting a little bit of chemistry going with, with Kerfoot, and you know, maybe coming a little bit more useful than, than he has been with, with Carl and Nieto. The
0: fourth line on no team is good, um, so. So, yes. Saying the fourth no, line we is a disaster is trying to like, make it worse. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we we need to be really clear about that. That saying the fourth line is a disaster—that's in relation to other fourth lines. Like your fourth line is your fourth line; it's going to be your worst line. That's why it's your fourth line. Um, but it just—it doesn't have a center. What are you doing? Actually, making thing? it worse
2: by putting Gabe Bork in there is not a great plan either.
0: Yeah, no, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but the... That 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 Leafs game started with Carl Soderberg just outworking um, Jake Gardner, and then also right after that, Miko ran and just undressing Nazem Kadri. Just like they got down three slash two to nothing, and, and as the, they do, as they do every and,
1: single game, <laughs> and
0: just got it back by working harder, and yeah. Which is good, because we were starting to get a little concerned last week. You might remember they had just kind of had one of those oh-no-we're-behind-give-up moments.
1: And I mean, it didn't hurt them that the Leafs' defense absolutely caved, like, immediately, (laughs) but... And the the other issue I have is the lack of consistency from the abs through a whole game, And, and we'll get into this more in the Ottawa game, but... When it takes going down by two and then your second line center to step up and make an individual play to really get you guys going into the game, there's a whole lot of nothing happening on the rest of that team.
2: Well, it's tough because... I mean, the the top line was actually really good as far as controlling the puck and shot-wise. They just weren't getting anything to drop. Um, And that's sort of... You know, one of the chronic issues we've seen is not being able to generate quality. But, you know, they were basically a like a plus 23 minus 9 together. So, I mean, they, you know, and that was against Tavares mainly.
0: And that's that's shots, that's not combined plus minus.
2: Right.
1: And yeah, Um, the Avs looked, especially after they gave up the goals in the second period, the Avs looked ridiculously dominant in this game. but And they won this game, but the winning part at this point in the season is what matters like it, if you have one game where you look dominant and you don't win well that sucks but if you have multiple games of this happening where the avs look like the better team but still lose that does that's not going to fly you know you said it the 11th place in the west is 1 point behind us now so when you look dominant you have to win or it's not worth anything
2: right and <sighs> When you've been on a stretch like they had, you know, it's tough to really seal the deal. So, I mean, the, the getting down two goals every game, you know, that's bad. And and they still did that in this game, but they came back, they went ahead, Leafs tied it up again, and then they really, you know, they buckled down in the last 10 minutes of the game and, and scored, you know, the the winning goal and then a, a couple of empty netters. Um. So I mean it, that game was probably a lot harder fought than it needed to be with the way they were controlling it, but you know that that's just kind of the way it went.
0: Then on Wednesday, the Avs fall into the trap game in Ottawa, losing five-two to the Senators. Nikita Zadorov and Nathan MacKinnon here two. I guess we should mention that Zadorov came back against Toronto. Um, so that that should have been probably in that last segment, but Nikita Zadorov came back against Toronto. This game is pretty tough to watch, because at, at least in my eye, it really just came down to the Avs looking really tired at the end of a week and a half of zigzagging across Canada, and then Ottawa, of course, not being very good. So, is that what y'all saw?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was probably a factor. Um, I will say Zadorov did look significantly better than everyone else, uh, so if the tiredness was a factor, it didn't affect him as much. Um the problem is everyone not named Zadorov on that defense looked absolutely brutal to me, and not like tired; they can't keep up. Brutal, like they look completely lost out there. Brutal.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the, I think it was in the first period, Ian Cole made several plays per shift that were just like, what, what, what are you thinking, bro? Um, you know, and and then obviously on the.
1: And, it, oh, got yeah. <laughs> and yeah.
2: it got worse for him. Yeah, it got worse. I
0: was done with Cole after the first, and it got worse.
2: And it got worse. Um, yeah, that was that was not a, a shining night for him. And you know, I, I I mean, he's pretty important to how the defense plays, uh, just because they rely on him so much to be. You know, not just a defensive guy like say uh, Nemeth is, but they re- rely on him to be defensively sound in a large minute situation. So um, when he's making bad decisions or you know can't can't find the puck when he needs to, um, it's a little bit more of a grave situation.
0: He just <laughs> he just keeps making like. What's what what's it's what's really weird because I mean you you hear the reporters that are with the team and at the games talk about how much Ian Cole communicates on the ice, but a lot of the errors you see him making in this game are errors of communication. Like you'll you'll see him yeah. just leave his side of the ice to cover someone that his partner is already covering, and, yeah. and then the guy he left behind is wide open for a goal. Like
1: yeah. yeah Where are you? And, going? and, that, and that's a, a that's system wide I think all of the Av's defense really struggles with communicating. In the Ottawa game there was another play where the puck was loose just across the Av's blue line into their zone and Tyson Berry swings across, stick lifts Eric Johnson, and loses the puck. And it's like like yeah, neither of you said anything to each other about who's gonna take this puck and who's gonna go where and like it was <laughs> such an easy problem to avoid.
2: Yeah. Um and that's you know it, that's something that that we've heard Jared Bednar mention a few times is you know not an, not enough communication over the past couple of weeks. So, um, you know, I that's something that like I really can't speak to be just just because I never hear what's going on 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 the ice, and um, it's it's tough to say what exactly they need to do better, other than not this.
1: It so this actually does. Get into the systems and on Bednar a little bit for me. Obviously, your defensemen need to communicate. Even without communication, there needs to be like a baseline. And yeah. let that baseline, for whatever reason, the Avs defense have no idea where it is right now. When they're not communicating, they're running all over the place. They're on top of each other all the time. They're passing pucks to nobody. There is no setback default to where they can at least get the puck out of their zone or be in control of the game.
2: Yeah, and I've you know, I I know a lot of people haven't been too happy with the way Sam Gerard has played lately. He's a he's a really smart player, and I think he does kind of get the system, maybe better than, than a lot of the other
1: guys. I agree um, with that, actually. Cause Sam isn't having the impact we want him to have, but generally he looks fine.
2: Well, he looks confused because there are a lot of times he'll make an error or he'll pass it to nobody, and you look at you know if the camera stays on him, it it, it looks like he's like, what? I did, Someone was supposed to be there, um, and, and you see that you know sort of with the coverages with everybody else as well, and and some of the passes, and that just says to me like you know they're being coached that you know this is this is what's supposed to be happening, and it's not it's not really happening on the ice for them.
1: Right. Um, and go ahead.
2: And I, you know, I, I do think, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think it, it's tough to, to lay a lot of this on the coach, but if the players aren't able to execute what you're teaching them, then you've got to kind of dial it back and maybe exactly. go a little bit simpler for a while. Uh, just so you don't have these errors where communication is messing things up and and you're getting passes to nobody or you know like one of Cole's passes in the first period against Ottawa was right to a guy that was that had a an Ottawa guy right in front of him and you're just like don't do that (laughs) that's just not that's not where you want to pass it ever that isn't nice yeah so you know I I, I do think that the players need to have a system to fall back on and if, if they're not Really trusting it as much as they they should, um, you know. Then, then maybe Nolan Pratt and Jared Bednar need to take a look at that and, and change some things, or maybe make it a little bit simpler for a while.
1: I mean, it's a little bit of a double whammy for me too, because there's been a lot of talk lately about how oh the ABS are a team that has footage out there. Everyone's reading what they do. They're adapting to them, and. That's pretty much true, I would say, uh, at least with the better teams.
0: It's true of 31 teams. <laughs> Every team go. has video room. Like, I hate right. this line of narrative so much. But right.
1: But the fact is, when you can't even get your basic systems down, how can you possibly adapt your systems to other teams? Like You can't, because you're, you can't even do the regular things. So the Avs are not able to adjust because they're not able to do the basics.
2: Right. And it, you know, you see a lot of problems with switching coverage or guys that are standing instead of moving because they probably are like, I, you know, I, I I don't know whether I should be moving over to this area. So I'm just going to stay right here. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times when you see people that are confused out there and it just, you know, I, I think as a coaching staff, you really have to look at that and figure out how to, you know, get the players more comfortable with what they're doing in those situations.
0: So, Sam Girard is. I would argue that he's, that he's having actually quite a bit of impact. It just doesn't show up on the score sheet because it's not points. Sam Gerard right. is yeah, easily your most reliable zone exit. Like, easily. Not even close. Yeah. And yeah, on a team I, uh, that gets hemmed in its own zone, on a team that more frequently just ice the puck or punt because there's no help for the, for the defenders, that's super valuable
1: yeah i have zero beef with sam i you know especially when you consider he's only 20 years old even if he's not getting on the score sheet he's doing just fine
0: i would like to see the points start to come but as someone who isn't really going to score many of his own goals um unless they are own goals i just don't see where a whole lot of those points are really going to come from he's he, he is an enabler but not necessarily a creator of points that's kind of how i look at it
2: he's also you know, I think, by definition, he's always the most responsible defenseman on the ice. Um, so there are a lot of times when he probably doesn't pinch as much as some of the other d's just because he's you know he's he's observing the ice and saying, "I could do this, but if if you know if the if the wing doesn't cover back for me, it's it's going to be bad." So you know, maybe getting him a little more comfortable um <clears throat> with the with the coverage switches when they're in the offensive zone would would allow him to pinch more. You know, that's something that'll probably come in the next year or two.
1: I I'm not sure about that. He has gotten burned earlier in the season a few times. He went for some risky pinches and got totally wrecked on them. Yeah. And I I'm not sure if it's him not con- not having the confidence or if it's the coaching staff saying let's figure out some other things first before we start doing that. But I think that's more of the reason why he's backed off.
2: That that could be it for sure. Um, Because I think, I I think also they were kind of telling EJ that for a while when he was making those bad pinches. And that's kind of why EJ was not doing anything offensively for a while. And, They've sorted that out a little bit, and now EJ's, you know, back to being a, a little bit more of a an offensive threat.
0: Well, maybe <laughs> we'll he get was,
3: because
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, finally on Saturday afternoon, which was right before we recorded this show. The Avs came back home and picked up the Brazil in a 7-1 victory over a terrible LA Kings team. This was a party. Goals from Big old Carl, Tyson Berry, Sheldon Dry, shorthanded, Landeskog, Colin Wilson, and two for Miko Rantanen. This felt like a demon exercising game, but it did come with a cost. Eric Johnson leaves in the first after taking a puck to the jaw. Miko Rantanen stays in the locker room for the third period with some tweak in his lower body, looked like a right groin. But he'll be fine. He's pulled for precautionary reasons in what was at the time a seven-to-nothing game, so you can kind of understand why. Eric Johnson, we don't know yet.
2: Yeah, and you know the the fact that McKinnon only played a minute in the third, and Landy only played a minute and a half. You know, it's I think it was predetermined that they weren't going to play that line much anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, one- once you saw Zadorov quarterbacking the five on three, you're kind of like, okay, it's yeah. probably fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was just about the worst power play of all time, personnel wise. Sheldon Dries, Gabriel Bork. And <laughs>
2: yeah, they didn't gi- they didn't give up a goal, so maybe not.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, like we were saying in the in the game day Discord after, like right after it happened, this team has conceded three on five before.
2: Yeah. Um... So, I, I, you know, it's it's great to hear that Miko was, was just precautionary, and, um, you know, it, it, it's it been documented that, that he's very, very dedicated to stretching, uh, like, a, a couple hours a day. So I don't have a lot of worry about something like a, you know, a groin hip injury with him. You know, if it, it was some sort of you know, like a trauma thing or something like that, that, that would be a little bit more concerning, but, um, he, he, he seems to have that part of his physiology dialed in, but the, the EJ thing is, is definitely concerning because, you know, you take a puck to the face. We saw him getting treatment on the bench. There is blood dripping from sort of underneath his jawline. <clears throat> he did look a little bit dazed at that point, but maybe it's just because someone's playing with his face. I don't know. Um, but without trying to play doctor on it, um, you know, he, he missed just about the whole game and we don't know what's going on going forward. That's tough. Uh,
1: obviously, you never want one of your top D's to get hurt. And we probably will need EJ back fairly soon if things aren't going to get a little bit dicey back there. Right. But, but, this is a good opportunity Cole's going to need to be better, period. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: But you're going to give chances for a guy like Zadorov to get more ice time, especially in defensive situations. You're going to give a chance for Sam to get more ice time, maybe jump up into the play more because he doesn't have to cover for EJ. There are steps to be made by defensemen on this team because EJ is gone, if he's gone. And you could also maybe get Graves back in the lineup, by the way, which I wish we hadn't sent him down. But that's a different story.
0: Yeah, yeah waivers. We uh, kind of figured that was coming. Do you really think that they would call someone like Graves back up, or just roll with Ben or with uh, Barbarian? No, I
1: think they'd just roll.
2: Uh, well, the thing is with Graves is again he he's. <clears throat> I think he's down to maybe four or five, maybe six days left on roster and one more game before he's waiver eligible again. So if they call him up again, he's basically on on the roster for the rest of the year or they have to put him through waivers, which I don't think they want to do.
1: I mean, I think that's fine though. Like, well, I mean, I, If Graves I, isn't I, impacting your NHL roster at this point, then you shouldn't be worried about losing him on waivers in the first place. Uh, well,
2: I mean, I think... You know, I, I think they want him as that option when someone gets injured, but just you know, I I don't think they want to play him if everyone else is healthy. Um, I think they should have played him instead of Barbario, definitely in the Ottawa game. Um, you know, I could see maybe giving Barbario his first game back against Toronto, and you know, it's like Barbario did not look good in either of those games.
0: It's Montreal, um, Toronto.
2: Oh yeah, um, in. But in any of those three games, he did not look good. No, um, not at all.
1: <laughs> right, and sure. like it when you have an upgrade or a theoretical upgrade. Until if Graves doesn't continue the play, then you're playing him as an upgrade, or he's not good enough to care if he gets claimed. Like,
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, and the thing like you can't really get rid of Barbario. Like, there's no there's no way he should. He should be waived and sent to Loveland. Um, no, yeah. So, you know, if if you're if you call Graves up again and and he sort of, you know, he makes uh, more baby steps and, and some more strides in, in the lineup. You know, I, I would love to see he and Z together on on a on a bottom pair if everybody's healthy. Um, but it, you know, if he's able to play that role, then I think it opens up being able to trade Patrick Nemeth. Um, which, you know, we've heard sort of rumors that, you know, the Avs might be might be thinking about considering that maybe. So, you know, that's that's sort of the scenario you have to go through um, if you do call Graves up. Because, you know, whether you should be worried about losing him on waivers or not, the Avs just, they tend not to, to put guys like that on waivers or want to.
0: Now, so if Graves comes back, he's back until the Avs are done playing hockey for the season, and I'm pretty, fine much. With, I'm pretty much fine with that, honestly. If it, carrying two extra defenders or not, like, whatever, doesn't make that much of a difference to me. Having him available is fine. Playing him or not, I I don't really care that much. Like, if if you need the extra body on your roster, call him up. He's been fine.
1: Right, like... Graves has been nice, but at the end of the day, he's basically still a replacement level defenseman.
0: Yeah, right.
2: But he's better replacement level than say Barbari is right now. And right. If he can, if he can be better replacement level than Nemeth is, then you know that that's actually somewhat.
0: Bye, Earl. <laughs> The uh, their the replacement level is I think is Ryan Graves I like, like that's the yeah. guy that you're that you're looking at as what replacement level means as opposed to Anton Lindholm or Mark Alt who were right below that line this season. Um as as we try to fill a little bit of space here for Earl's internet to come. Out. <laughs> he said he was going to yeah. get hit by some like windstorm or something so we were trying to squeak the show in before he lost power I hope that didn't just happen.
1: It might just be his mic, but but yeah.
0: It says he's online still.
1: The thing with Graves being a replacement level player is he is what he is. He's not going to gain anything by going back to the AHL. So, as you were saying, keeping him as the 8th defenseman, even if he's not playing, is fine.
0: Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Welcome back. I mean, I... Except they, except they want to,
2: you know. I, I think their mantra is they want to keep these guys playing. They don't want to have guys sitting around. So, um, is, it, it, all depends on how comfortable they are managing that.
0: Is Ryan Graves one of those guys who needs to be playing? Like, I think that's that's kind of the argument that me and Rudo are making is that he's really not.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
2: Whether I mean, I, if, 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 I think the Avs think that. So that's all that really matters. Okay. <laughs> so um and an- another thing i wanted to mention from today is that you know with ej being out um big z was actually the the top minute guy for on the defense
0: he, so he really
3: stepped up
2: yeah he was a he he was three seconds short of 25
0: minutes and slightly Obviously, less than. A- um this game was like hard to judge much by because the Avalanche played very well, and the Kings very did not. Um, well over half this game was played in garbage time. But for what it's worth, Nikita Zadorov in that in that role, you, you didn't really notice. Like you didn't really see a difference. He was he was good. Yeah. Uh,
1: not well. a very hard team to be good against, but no. Yeah.
0: Lots of caveats here, but he, he was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I you know I I thought I mean the five v three power play notwithstanding, um, he did everything else very well. Um, he's looked really good since he came back, and you know it it, it makes you wonder sort of uh, beyond just getting better from whatever the LBI was. Sort of you know was it working with the skills coach a lot over those you know couple of weeks? Did did that sort of do something? But. You know, he, he definitely looks better than he did before he got injured.
0: He looked really, really good. Um, did this game, like I said, it was a party from pretty early on in the second. Like they Colorado were pretty clearly dominant in the first, and then just took over in the second and never even thought about looking back. Do we feel like this is a game that will cure any of the ills that the Avalanche have been suffering lately. Because they they got saves. They got goals. And they owned the puck. And they scored on the power play. And their penalty kill was good. I mean, I don't...
2: One thing I really don't understand about this game is they were dominant on the shot board in the first period. And, you know, they just had one goal. They got owned in the second period and scored, you know, (laughs) they scored six goals. And then they were dominant again in the third. And they weren't really trying to score. They probably could have scored two or three more if they felt like it. Um, But they didn't. So,
0: like you said, they didn't even play the first line.
2: Yeah, I know. (laughs) But it's, I don't know. It's like that paradox is so weird. And I'm trying to get my, you know, how can it? How can in a period where your your Corsi for percentage was less than twenty five, you score six goals? You know how, how does that work, and, and is that good?
1: Is is that <laughs> score adjusted? No. <laughs> yeah, because after it I'm was just five saying like that's five nothing, I think they were kind of just like, well,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and not a lot of that can possibly have been on goal because the the final shot tally ended up pretty even.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it. It no, I mean the the shots were were heinous too. I mean the shots on goal were seventeen six for Los Angeles in that period.
0: So wait, you're telling you're telling me that canonically the Avalanche scored six goals on six shots. Uh, officially, so it's of 18-10
1: the at the end. So
0: okay.
2: <laughs> no, I'm saying it five v five. Okay. Um, but I mean, two of the goals were um. Um, or special teams. There's a shorthanded goal and then special the power teams. play goal. No, I don't see two
1: that. were power play actually. Also, yeah.
2: really? Oh yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. Right. The, the first
1: Gabe one, one was... right at the beginning. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that that's definitely part of it when you look at the difference between the the goals and the Corsi. Is it was a couple of excellent power play goals and then. Ian Cole taking the like the most phantom tripping penalty of all time, which he then made up for later <laughs> by saying, "Well, by God, I'll take a real one." And, yeah, uh, yeah. And Sheldon is getting that, uh, getting getting that tap in, short handed.
2: Yeah, the baseball goal. He's good at that. I think that's he what, is second, second second of
0: the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think he yeah, had I one in preseason formation. too. Maybe so. Yeah. Because uh, that was I, created by Matt Calvert. So well done there.
1: But, yeah, I mean, to kind of bring it back to the point, maybe this helps the Avs' confidence issues. The puck just finally start friggin went into in going into the net for them. So yeah. that can't hurt. Uh, the power play also, I think, looked much, much better for parts of this game. The key factor being they gave it to their forwards, and they said, go forwards, do things, instead of standing there and passing it back to Barry for a point shot.
2: Right. And you know we've we've talked about this a lot this year is that you know the the way teams are scoring now is, is from the slot mainly and you know it's like if you're if you're not gearing your power play towards getting shots from you know really close to the net and right in front then you know you're you're gonna be dealing with the the issues that that they have been lately. <clears throat> And it's, you know, that carries down into the AHL because the Eagles run a very similar power play. They run the junior version of the Avs power play and they don't have the skill and they don't get it into the middle of the ice very well. And it's the worst AHL practice.
0: (laughs) I know that the the power play has been kind of on the struggle bus recently in terms of conversion rate. Um, But I, I definitely think there's some context that's missing from that. Like, especially if you just look at this trip. They went to Winnipeg and they got goalied. They went to Calgary and they got goalied even worse. They went to Montreal, which had a fantastic penalty kill. Like, what are you going to do? It's, that, was an, that was a masterclass in penalty killing the way that they ran that game. Then they go to yeah. Tur- Toronto, whose games do not have penalties in them. Yeah. And then in Ottawa, everyone sucked. And then you finally come in and take on LA, who's the number thirty PK in the NHL coming into this game, and dying out on them. Like, I think there's some context to this conversation too. There is well, I mean, for I...
1: sure. There, there's context to everything in this game.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was basically a high level scrimmage after a while, but I, I, I do think Rudo right. Just the confidence you get from actually shooting the puck and, and hey, it goes in. Um, you know, because it's just, I, I. I you know, I I truly believe that, that frustration builds and it just makes it harder and harder to score. If it, it, yeah. It, when you finally do, you get a damn break like this.
0: And right. the frustration builds whenever mistake goes in the back of your net, too. Like, we saw a two-on-one that Varley was out and ready for and stopped early on in the first. And I think it was No Need to Yell who said in the Discord, that's exactly the goal that's been going in against the Avs for weeks. So Yeah. Yep. That is a good and sign for at me. at that time of the game, too. Right, it's a good sign for me that goaltending is maybe starting to kind of come back, because it, you know, mm. it's been okay, and it's, it's it's been okay. It's not been amazing, but it also hasn't been single-handedly game losing for a little while either.
1: True, I. I think there are still some concerning things I saw with Varley in this
0: game. There are. Like, he should have given up a wraparound goal, but Jeff Carter shot it about, like... Just missed. Yeah, <laughs> he shot it into the pads instead of into the net. Nice try. Nice try.
2: And, I, you know, and we still have the issue, and I, I'm i sure they're being coached to do this, of, like, really getting out of position on a save, and then it, you know, bounces over to the other side of the ice in their way out of position, and it, it didn't yeah. hurt him this game, but it definitely could have.
1: Yeah, but you're right. I mean, you make 30 out of the 31 saves, you can't shake a stick at that too <clears throat> much. I don't yeah. think any of the system problems at all, I can't put any faith in any of them having been solved based on this game alone. No, It's the same thing as the Rangers game, kind of. You just bombed this team that looked bad, and you don't really even get to practice the things like systems because you just go out there and stomp them.
2: Yeah. And maybe that's what they needed. I mean maybe the you know the system has been oppressing them for so long that they really yeah. needed a pond hockey game and, and just go out and play and remember what it's like to make plays and
0: I I agree with that a system? lot. Help, help, I'm being repressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do agree a lot with that though, because like we saw on the power play, you know, if you if you give them a little bit more leash to make some decisions and do what they want to do and are capable of doing, all of a sudden they start ripping shots from the circles like Miko did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, and and that goes back to what we were saying about, you know, simplifying what they're doing in the defensive zone. It just, you know, allow the players to sort of play instinctually a little bit more and and maybe you're going to find some benefits there. So, you know, we'll we'll see how this this transfers this week, but, you know, if we do see a little bit more instinct rather than thinking all the time, I think that's going to end up, you know, be working in the abs favor.
0: Yeah. And boy, did Miko have a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's He's been... mad.
1: Cooch has that number one spot. He's coming for it.
0: <sighs> I, that might be what it is. Let's let's have a look at where that stands. Actually, I haven't looked in a minute.
2: The, the goal that he scored today when he was just staring right at Quick's eyes and just shot it by him anyway. <laughs>
0: and Drew Doughty was just like, uh, I don't I mean, know what to do.
2: Yeah, <laughs> It's weird, because usually when a goalie sees the puck, he can save it. But it's like, you know, Miko's made that shot several times this year. And it's just, he's looking at it like, what are you going to do, man?
1: Check yeah. it out. I actually... Gone. By the time... <laughs> This is posted. It'll still be right at the top of my Twitter. I did a side by side of this goal that ran and scored and Miko's first ever goal, and they're basically identical. Like, <laughs> he does he does this double shuffle step into the circle while he's like looking for a pass, and then just rips it perfectly into the top corner, and everyone on the other team is like, "Shit, man!"
0: <laughs> he's like, "Well, yeah. they're gonna cover this this shooting lane, so I've got to pass it." You're you're uh, uh, okay, shoot. <laughs> And it's funny because we
2: saw, uh, you know, Comfort and Mac especially shooting way high uh, early before the, the goals really started pouring in. And so, you know, it, obviously the book on on Quick is to go a little bit high because he's you know he's not six foot six or anything like that. Um, but you know, it's like Miko, you know, Miko has the accuracy to do that, whereas you know, Mac's a little bit wild, and Comfort is you know. Comfer's good for what he is, but he's not Miko.
0: (laughs) And and Landis Gog has an amazing shot if he's not the one who took it. (laughs) He does. (laughs) But all this is to say that Miko Rantanen gets one of the stars of the week. Easily. Yep
2: and where where did he where is he ending up now in the in the scoring race?
0: He's still second. Um he has 73 points behind Kucherov's 76. Right on his heels with 72 is Johnny Goudreau. and then tied at 70 are a couple of no names that you have probably never heard of. Just Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> what
1: are those bums doing up there?
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
2: And I, I, I forget what the what they were exactly talking about, but they said something about guys with 70 points going to the All-Star game, and that's never happened to the Avalanche in any season.
1: Well, yeah. They're sending yeah no, Miko is really doing something special this year. Like...
3: Yeah. And
0: it's just so annoying that Kucherov is also doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Get I mean, what, what Kucherov's
2: done over the past month is just out of hand. Yeah, Which he had...
0: disgusting.
1: He had, like... <laughs> 50 points in 12 games, or something. Like,
0: yeah. it was absolutely
1: absurd. He's, like, what the hell? He's got
0: OHL was. stats.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, Mario Lemieux and the Q kind of stats. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, um, and it, it, you hope he's not going to continue that all year. I mean, right. This is just a, a wicked hot streak, and that the other guys on the team that are are, are just as talented are going to start cutting into that action. But
0: if he keeps this uh, up, he's going to cross 150 points in March.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's going to break Gretzky's record. So more more stars of the week.
1: Uh, Zadorov, I think, for sure. Obviously, yeah. we already mentioned he stepped up in EJ's absence and was one of the few bright spots against Ottawa. So, I mean, the Toronto game, I, he wasn't as noticeable, but I, I think there's definitely a visible impact to this team's defensive core when he's an option for them.
2: And it's just—I—I I love the hits. He made a couple of hits on the same shift during the first period. That um, it just—you know—like Cole kind of does it, but and, and maybe Nemeth once in a while. But Zadorov's hits are, are just so effective. Like these weren't like the big Z, like just destroying somebody kind of hits. The smashes. Um, these were sort of light hits that took the guy out it looked like the guy just sort of bounces off Z and he's fine. And he was able to get the puck away. And that's a skill. Like, you know, when you, when you do have a couple of smaller D's like Barry and Sam that, that really don't do that. Like, you know, Barry and Sam cause turnovers in a, in a very different way, but having a guy like Zadorov that can separate the guy from the puck and and retrieve it instantly and and get it moving forward. You know, that that's a a nice complementary skill.
1: I, it's not just that either. Like you said, with Cole's, or his hits, his big ones at least are kind of weirdly random, and they happen like at the offensive blue line and weird things. Yeah. Zadorov's hits zone off so much ice because everyone knows what he does, and everyone is scared to come up the boards against him because they know they're just gonna get blown up. So you right. basically are taking away like a whole third of the ice from the offense when he steps on the ice.
2: Yeah. That's something we've seen with, with Z that he's gotten very good at since he's, you know, he, he spent the year in San Antonio, his first year in, with the avalanche, but sort of since then he's been building up to this, but he's really got good gap control and he's, he can take a bigger gap than other guys just because he's so tall and that allows him more freedom of movement and, and it allows him, you know, like you said, to, to cover way more ice and, You know, he kind of projects power, and that's difficult.
0: Star number three.
1: Boy. Hmm.
2: Carl, obviously.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, duh. What am I thinking?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It seemed pretty clear to me.
1: He's just so emotionless (laughs) that I forgot he's actually good.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: it, I, I, I just I hate seeing him play so well. For the only the uh, the only reason I say that is, I mean we could have been doing this all year. Yeah. Sure could have.
0: It <laughs> is one of those things where you really wanted to be wrong, so that when it fi- when they finally try it out and it just blows up in in everyone's face, you go, oh okay, that's why they never tried this. Yeah, they had a reason this whole time.
2: And it's like, you know, he's done so much for Willie's game and for for Comfer's game just by being with them, you know, along with really being good himself. You know, it's like, and it's, you know, it's really turned that into a a, a second line that you could say, like, yeah, that's actually a second line. You know, that's not just the best of the rest.
1: Yeah. So what does this third star mean? Well, it means I got the third
0: star. <laughs> <laughs> First career hat trick in the NHL. Well done. Open? Did he open up the scoring today? Right, he's he got a goal. I remember that yeah, much. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, it was the first one.
0: And it was a uh, you know pretty cool little goal. He, he almost set up JT Comfer for an just an incredible goal that for some reason Jonathan Quick was ready for. Just that that diving s- stick hacking pass that was just right on the tape.
1: Eh, it Comfort didn't get all of it. He, it it fluttered either. pretty badly on him. Yeah. But,
0: but it didn't matter. Like That still should have gone in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Quick had to make at least one decent save in this game. So.
0: And that was it. Very unfair. And he got an assist on uh,
2: Willie's goal for the uh, Brazil.
1: He did, yeah. Uh,
0: the, but when it's 7-0, that isn't really getting the Brazil. You have to... Then, then it was Kovalchuk that got the Brazil. Okay. true <laughs> um, the, the second Brazil the, the one that actually counted yeah
1: <clears throat> the Real Brazil
0: <laughs> so we are going to scratch some players as well I'm sure
1: I mean Jost is the easy one right <laughs> no
0: Jost yeah. is the one that we talk about after the scratches okay yeah.
1: he doesn't count he, he's, uh, he's Ian Cole then you can't uh, Ian Cole then obviously. Yeah, that's Ian true. Cole. That's true.
0: Definitely give you Ian Cole.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I talked about how the ABS are struggling with their systems, but there is no excuse for some of the decisions that Cole is making on the defensive end.
2: Yeah.
0: They um, make no sense.
2: I'm, you know, I'm not sure I feel how how I feel about the three penalties today I, I thought the slash at the end was great um just because why not <laughs> uh, but <laughs> you know the other two were kind of bogus you know
0: no the, the second one he, he tripped that dude the first one he stood near the dude as he tripped
2: yeah like no, i'm just saying not like, even close. those were so, those were softy penalties for him um remember when Ian worst i was gonna say remember yeah.
0: Cole is the guy that gets away with everything <laughs> what happened to that he does take
2: a lot of penalties, though.
1: <laughs> I think he still gets away with a lot, to be honest. Yeah. But he—he's he, not able to get away with just enough.
0: He sure is getting caught a lot lately. Of course, when we get into the playoffs, that'll you know be a little different. But... Yeah. Yeah. So Ian Cole and who else? I
2: don't. I mean, it, I I don't really want to say Barbario, but it just. That's something that didn't work. And I, I think it is scratch worthy. Um, and I hate it because, you know, I, I do like Barbario when, when he does play his game well, he, he's actually fairly effective. But it's just, you know, it, it's looking more and more like that's not happening this year. Yeah. Um,
0: Which is unlucky.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's great that. You know all right you, you can use barbs as your seventh fee and not play him that much but it just when you do put him in it, it's it's really rough so um I don't know. I, I, I I maybe he's gonna get some playing time now if, if if EJ ends up having to spend some time on the IR or whatever um you know maybe maybe he sort of works through his issues when he gets to play regularly but it just did you know he played three games in a row and it just didn't look good
0: nope not really and then now we can bring this one up scratch number three is Tyson Jost who was sent down to the AHL this week this is a guy who skipped the line straight to the NHL from college and he's been given every opportunity in the world outside the top line to, to take a step any step sometimes it feels like he's about to and then it comes right back down now, if I'm not mistaken, Benar said he wants this to be like a less than 10 game kind of stint, right?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So,
3: well, I mean, what, now he what? he said was well, just,
2: <clears throat> they're, they're playing four games in, <clears throat> or sorry, six games in, in nine days going into the All-Star break. Nice. Um. So he's going to get six games down there and come back to the Avs and go on spring break or wherever. Um, then we'll then we'll see what they do, whether they send him back down or not, and you know how that works out.
1: Um, I I really hope they don't send him back down. Uh, I after hope they, the fact, I hope they do. I I mean I, I just, just like <laughs> when Bednar sent him there. Like the thing that the thing that gave me hope about it was like we want him to go down there and get some confidence playing against some less skilled players, and I think that's the only thing that he's going to take from the AHL. I don't see him doing, taking any steps in his NHL game from the AHL at this point besides confidence. I think he could take those steps at the NHL level all the same. He has to learn to do those at NHL speed. The confidence is the only thing that he can really pick up at that slower speed.
2: Well, I, I think the one thing he can pick up is learning how to play center again. Um, I, even though I'm convinced well, uh, he's okay. not very good at it, yeah, I don't think the abs should even bother <laughs> trying
1: to stick him in center. Just move him to the wing and be done with it.
2: Yeah, well, then why is he why is he playing center down there? So, yeah,
1: I know, yeah, I, I think know. That's
2: part of the plan. Um, you know, I, I I do think you know dealing with the the AHL environment and, and he played his first game last night. You know, he he looked like a guy that hadn't played much in the AHL, and it's you know a lot of people will say that it should be easy and you know, you should have like four goals and 10 assists last night, but it's it's totally not how it works. Um, It's much more chaotic than the NHL guys just aren't where you think they're going to be. The defense that you play against is, you know, it's random. Um, The goalies might be worse, but they, you know, they aren't as predictable. So it's not like you go down there and just wail on people. Um, and and, that, and that's kind of what we saw last night. So, hopefully by the end of this stint, you know, they, the Eagles play, as we're recording this tonight, Saturday, um, at home. And then they have four games in California this week. <clears throat> um,
0: well, that's not bad. So He, he gets yeah. to spend cold-ass blizzard week in California.
2: Right. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of games, bang, bang, bang. Um, I mean...
1: He's also making so he, about a tenth of what he's been making for the past year and a half. but
2: Right. But, you know, he's going to have probably four times as many minutes in game time over that's this true. week than he would that's have true. with the Avs. So I think that's probably the the best thing he can take out of it is just pure time on ice. Um, you know, it's like, you know, hopefully, hopefully the light flicks on and, and he starts scoring or, you know, maybe even making some plays and that would be nice. Um, but, I, you know, I think you're right that there's not a whole lot he can take back to the NHL other than confidence and, and, and just sort of minutes behind him.
1: It, I mean, look, I think Jost 100% deserves a scratch here, and it's not been a great year for him. But when you look at the bigger picture here, Jost is 11th in scoring in his draft year so far. He's basically right on pace with where roughly a 10th overall pick should be in relationship to his peers. And there are people that were drafted behind him that are a little bit better. There are people that are drafted ahead of him that are significantly worse. So I think expectations have overblown Jost's issues a little bit. I think there are definitely issues that need to be solved. But I don't think there needs to be this panic about him that this seems to be kind of floating around.
2: Right. And yeah. I mean, what I was seeing from Jost is he wasn't having a problem scoring early. Like he was you know, not, you know, not a half point a game, maybe close to that. And, you know, now just sort of tailing off a bit, he's still a point every three games in the NHL. Um, and that's still not bad, you know, especially given the, that his minutes were greatly reduced over the last month or so. So, you know it's it's like the scoring probably isn't the biggest thing it's 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 more sort of the way he plays the game, what he's able to do on a shift by shift basis, how he's able to help his line mates and contribute defensively um that that's gonna you know allow him to go further up the lineup you know when he comes back
0: yep I'd agree with that I mean what I'm hoping we we'd learn from all this is just kind of you know where Tyson Jost really is going to fit in in terms of role cuz we we've we've heard for you know I guess 18 months or so now about how he's just this excellent winger on the boards and and I've re- been ready to see that please at some point
3: yeah
2: like, i th- we, i think that's that's something that a lot of people say that i don't see either um,
1: you know, i see it when he's not punting the puck
2: I just, I I see him as
1: easy to I see him as easy to
2: play against and easy to take the puck away from.
0: (laughs) And and so with with that in mind, we need to figure out what role he can have where he can still contribute meaningfully.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier and I think a great target for what he should try to become is Colin Wilson. The good Colin Wilson that we've seen this year. And that 100% 100% requires him to become stronger and yeah. more able to hold on to the puck.
2: Yeah. And I just, you know, I I think he's just he's probably a year or two away from having the strength and and strength on his skates to be able to do that, you know. Absolutely. At a yeah. Colin I agree with level.
1: that. I do. But yeah, yeah,
2: I I do think that's probably a, you know, sort of a good target to shoot for.
0: Yeah, you, you see him kind of trying to play that sort of game, like kind of putting himself in the really, you know, yeah, places.
1: It, yeah it, it's just a tough spot that the Evs have kind of put him in here because he can't really go down to the AHL and get that much, but he's not really ready to play the way they want him to play either, so finding his role... Like right, right. So, it, you know, they have to find a spot for him, and maybe it's a little bit easier now that they finally broke up the veteran line, but it's it's still going to be a process of figuring out where he fits... In the short term,
2: well, one thing that that Colin Wilson does well that that Joost hasn't been able to do that I that I really do think the Abs are, are trying to push him towards is get the puck into the slot area or hang out in the slot and be able to um, you know handle the puck in those areas and, and be able to get a shot off because I I think he has a really good shot and a very quick release and if he's able to get the puck and and be able to Get that shot off, um, you know. In any of the, the the dangerous home plate area, you know, yeah. I, I think the points will really start racking up.
1: It it that is a tough balance because the Avs seemingly like to use them like in the half wall area for board work there. But to do what Wilson does, you, you regularly have to be the kind of puck chaser that gets in down below the goal line and things like that, and then you circle back out into the slot. But
2: yeah. Because one thing I, I'm pretty sure he's not is a playmaker. Yeah.
1: Um, no, he's definitely not.
2: And and if you look back at sort of what you know, how his scoring totals from you know juniors and, and all that, it's like except for maybe one year, he was always sort of more goals than assists kind of guy. So he really is a shooter. So so, you know, I, I think they really need to focus on that. Um, you know, getting him comfortable going into the slot area and and. You know, sort of doing what Comfort and, and Wilson are able to do in that middle of the slot.
1: In know. his defense, I wouldn't take the punishment of going into the slot when my line mates are Gabe Bork and Sheldon Dries either.
0: No, nope. right? <laughs> no, nope, no point.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah, and that you know.
0: So you think we'll see him but back with for- the Avalanche in February then?
1: I do, I do for sure.
2: I I do. I I I don't. Th- I don't. I'm not sure it's the right thing to do. I I think he could probably benefit from a little bit more than than just six games and nine nights kind of thing with in the AHL. I I really think that if he see if he stayed down there for two or three weeks, it, it it would probably pay off a little bit more. Um, just because I I, I think. If if you're doing it this way, I think by the time he gets used to the AHL and gets comfortable down there, he's he's just back up and it's it's a whole new ball game again. So, um, if you if you do leave him down there for a little bit longer, um, you you might get more benefit out of it.
0: Who um who was he skating with?
2: Uh, he was skating with AJ Greer and Martin Kout, which I didn't like, just because you know, all three of those guys are basically shooters um you know i think count will be a playmaker at some point he's just too young to be able to do that right now but you know i really wanted to see jc bodan on his wing because it would be sort of a surrogate center when when things got rough and it's it's you know it would allow him not to have to be an f3 ever and you know what what i saw and last that line night has
1: that, no center <laughs>
2: <laughs> right and and what I saw last night was basically AJ Greer doing everything, and and Kout and Jost sort of floating for a lot of the game. They kind of got it together in the third period and made some good plays. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a donut line for sure. It doesn't really have a center, and <clears throat> maybe Coach Cronin, I, I, he's probably you know he's probably tasked with with making Jost into a center. So I'm not sure how much freedom he's going to have with that, but um. You know, I really do think if they if they put a playmaker on like Bodan on that line, that you know it it would it would benefit Jost a lot more.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, beyond Jost, I think there's a couple other things that could deserve at least a partial scratch from this week. Uh, without getting into too many details, I think maybe Andrew Ghetto and maybe Jared Bednar. But
2: yeah, Andrew Ghetto.
0: We'll, we'll definitely uh, talk more about Andrew Ghetto in, in a couple of weeks when we have a little kind of random episode kind of tossed in on I don't know what day, but it will be kind of during that big break. We're looking at getting together and talking trade deadline. Um, so we'll talk more about Andrew Ghetto then. I think that that's probably There you go, answer. yeah <laughs> um,
2: That sounds like a good plan.
0: And if it doesn't go that way, then I, we'll, we'll figure it out then, then won't we? Um, speaking of trades, Minnesota <laughs> made a little confusing splash this week. Yeah. Nino Niederreiter yeah. gets dealt to the Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes in exchange for Victor Rask, which is... um, expensive. Bad. <laughs>
1: yeah like by every metric both eye test and analytical like this just looks like a loss for minnesota like i don't see how they benefit at all
2: yeah i mean i wish i knew more about rask but i don't get to watch hurricanes games so i don't know anything about them
0: you're yeah you're blacked out right
2: yeah um but just you know J- just from stat grazing and, and from gossip, it seems like he's much more defensively oriented and doesn't score. And um, he is absolutely
1: is... an avalanche killer. He scores on the abs every time they played the Canes, so there is that. Yeah. But uh, so did Niederreiter. Yeah. So whatever.
2: Yeah, I guess. That's... Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but Niederreiter sounds like he was, you know, fairly underused in uh minnesota and they just sort of gave away a lot for a little
0: it was just kind of funny to watch the uh the different like stats accounts on twitter just like post up their little comparison tools and in all of them it's like nino positive 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 rask negative 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 and yeah just, exactly and basically they'll caption this with a question mark and that's about it <laughs> like minnesota i don't know what you're doing god love you it's just we haven't seen the wild
2: in a while, and you know, pretty much since they had their <clears throat> their fall from grace with with Dubnik's, uh, save percentage tanking. So I'm not sure what's going on there. You know, I, I have a feeling that that going more defensive in that aspect is probably not the way to go. So
0: yeah, you're right. We sure haven't seen them in a while, have we? Foreshadowing. <laughs> Dallas made a swap this week too as we kind of zoom out a little bit at the central they sent Devin Shore to Anaheim in exchange for Andrew Cogliano and uh, I, I guess that's a trade that happened I mean, Anaheim has made five deals where they're all just like, that's a trade that happened yeah.
1: sure is who, who wins this <laughs> I, deal?
0: Mm, I don't know Infinity. I would
1: actually say Dallas probably Yeah, um, Devin Shore is a Barely above tweener type player.
2: Yeah, uh, Cogliano
1: <laughs> is at very least an extremely reliable veteran who will be ready to go in the lineup. Yeah. So it just seems like
2: I mean I, I I don't think it moves the meter much, but right. Yes, yeah. Statistically, you look at it and you're just like, you know, why?
1: Yeah. It it doesn't make much sense at all for the Ducks and for the Stars. It's like. Does it really change anything? Uh.
0: Not really. I, I, mean, I, under- I, I can understand
2: why Anaheim is making lots of trades since they lost 12 games in a row. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's trying to <laughs> justify not, trick, not firing his buddy or Andy, dude.
1: Uh, you lose 12 in a row and maybe a veteran like Cogliano says, get me out. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Might be that.
2: It was the mercy trade like with Cody on the avalanche. <clears throat> Might be that.
0: I, I really do think it's just like, Bob Murray's making every trade he can find so that he cannot fire Randy Carlyle. Yeah,
2: um,
1: <laughs> I've got some bad news for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he needs to do both <laughs> of those things. Is the problem? Yeah, like he's been there for how long now? And like even two or three years ago, he was saying, you know, you got to look at the players. So I mean, it's been three years. These are your players, dude.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's just like firing Randy is one thing, but. You know, it's like recovering from the changes you make to your team because Randy was the coach is is something that takes quite a bit longer.
0: Yep.
3: Yep. 100. And so. then, you know, the
2: Ducks do have a lot of younger players that you're like, you know, hey, you know, these guys are pretty good. Um, yeah, the cupboard's not totally yeah, so how... <laughs> Right. Um, not but like it's, you know. <laughs> exactly. But it you know it's like it, it it's, it's getting rid of you know guys like Ryan Kessler of what two points this year and, and things like that. And are,
0: Who makes you know, a billion dollars
2: for four more years, yeah. I mean it's like what do you do with that?
0: <laughs> Robbie da Island. Oh look at that. His, Ryan Kessler has just discovered he's allergic to sweat and has to retire. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's allergic to Southern California.
0: <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a real battle of of just bafflement down here in the, in the Western Conference Wild Card race. Um, do you, like, do you think that Colorado or Dallas end up with that third spot in the Central, or even Minnesota? They're not out of it.
2: Well, I mean, one of them will. <laughs> oh man! I mean, on I... paper, the Abs really should.
1: Yeah. They should, and I had had faith that they would for basically from week two of the season to now, but it's really hard for me to say until we see these next two games. I think we'll all have a lot better feelings or a lot worse feelings about it after that.
0: Yeah, a couple yeah. of division games coming up this week. If you're if you're international, Monday is a minor holiday here in the U.S., so Colorado are back in action with another matinee on Martin Luther King Day. It's 1 o'clock Mountain at home against the National Predators, and I only call that a minor holiday because a lot of people don't get it off work, just to be clear. That's, that's why I call it that. Most people are still going to be working during this game, so nice schedule. Um, 1 o'clock Mountain at <laughs> home against the National Predators. Then on Wednesday, the stupid Minnesota Wild come to town for a seven thirty Mountain start, and that's it. We're into the bye week and the All Star break. Four points.
2: Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence they'll beat the Wild, just because yeah, you too. know, in in Denver, and just sort of where each team is in relation to each other. I think that's a fairly safe bet. Um, the the Preds are, you know, they're not the big bad Preds they used to be. They're still really good.
0: They still have Colton Sissons.
2: Uh, they still have Colton Sissons who, who can whip off a hat trick at the a moment's notice against the Avalanche. But uh, they won't have Ryan Johansson, obviously, because of the suspension.
0: If you're someone who only follows the Avs, he's out for two games for – Giving Mark Shifley a, a decapitation chop with his with a stick. It turns <laughs> out you're not supposed to do that, but you're only two games not supposed to do that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but it, at least it's the right two games for us. Um, so, you know that that is sort of the the game of the week, and probably the the only really tough game for, that we'll see for. Or you know, it, it, it is the, it is the mountain we have to climb between now and the end of the all-star break and all that. So um, hopefully the quote-unquote effort issues we saw in Ottawa won't come into play there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I just want them to have a solid game. Like, I'm not expecting a win against Nashville at all. If their defense doesn't give up anything too unbelievably egregious and then you go get two points out of Minnesota, great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um, and again, you know, it's like they, you know, they went into Toronto and, and won there, so you know, they they can beat a good team. They beat a playoff I'll, team. That's right. So shout out um, to Jackie.
0: <laughs> Having fun wherever she is.
2: It's it's a coin flip for me. Maybe they win, maybe they don't. But I, you know, I wouldn't expect it. <clears throat>
0: So two points is the is the consensus between y'all then.
1: Yep.
2: I think so. And, and I, I think winning that Minnesota game is, is you know, it, it's extra important just because yeah. uh, they're going to have nine days to think about whatever they've done.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you win that mini game and you're in the playoffs and they're not, or you lose it, it's the other way around. It's kind of a big deal. Right.
2: Right and i you know i think it's going to be a lot easier for those guys to relax and refresh if if they win the the, the final game like that and then you know have a good spot in the standings so make sure it happens yeah.
0: <laughs> very important game that that Minnesota game um i w- i would like to see them not just win it but win it convincingly like give me a two or three goal margin here
2: Well, i mean it's you know a one goal game with the Avs right now is just not something that that you'd have any confidence in so yeah
1: score early and often it's nice when the clock reads seven past Dubnik
0: (laughs) that's my favorite time it's high Uh, glove and then Nashville I'm gonna call overtime against Nashville which obviously means a loss but point so three points this week for me
2: That would be great.
0: If they come out of this week with zero points, is the sky falling?
1: I mean, again, I think it really depends on how they look. You know, if they give Nashville a good game and come up short, and then they have a good game in mini, but, you know, the puck's just not going in for them or whatever, that's bad. But you're not feeling total doom and gloom. If Nashville comes in and just rolls them, and then mini, they don't look good either, then yeah you're I was basically pressing the panic button after Ottawa already. So if if they don't look better then yikes.
2: I mean, what do you what do you think the coaching staff's response should be? I guess regardless of the outcome of this week, but you know, if it goes like we think, um, you know, they they end up losing a, you know, hopefully a close one to Nashville and beating Minnesota somehow. What do you think the the coaching staff's um response should be given that they're gonna have you know, they're they're probably not gonna go down to Cancun and, and throw beer at each other or anything like that. They'll probably be working most of the time. Um you know, what can they do coming into February and in the in the, the big grind for the rest of the season?
0: You don't think Jared Bednar's gonna let loose?
2: He might a little.
0: He might throw slip in a little decaf with the regular coffee or slip in some coffee with the decaf, I mean.
3: <laughs> um
2: not just i you know i i see you know there, there's some things that that look easily fixable like you know today's fourth line and you know it's like complaining about the fourth line is silly but you know it doesn't have a center and you made it purposely bad by putting gabe bork out there which you've you know you, you seem to be done with and, and here he is back in the lineup again
0: you don't have <clears> to <throat> do this
2: You know, you you have a center that you can use and and that's actually playing well now. Like earlier in the year, you know, Dominic Tononato was not playing well um, for the Eagles and then he got injured for a while and it took him a little bit to to get back from that. A, you know, producing skilled offense when need be and, and he's solid defensively. So, you know, if you wanted to call him up and use him as a center on your fourth line, you know, that would work well. If you want to keep Dryce up too, that's fine. You know, it's like, I'd rather use him than than Bork anyway.
1: Right, yeah. Like, anybody can be the gay Bork warm body right now.
2: Right. And it's, you know, <clears throat> it's seeing, you know, Dreyse, you know, doing the PK work that they're sort of easing him into. You know, that says to me that the, you know, that the staff is open to using him in, in a bigger role going forward. And I'm fine with that too, because uh, you know I don't see him as a big problem on on PK like he was sort of, you know, midway through the fall.
0: And even just uh, roster wise, you don't have to send someone down to bring up Toninato. You can just bring him up. Yep, it's allowed.
1: And, I mean, yeah, I the changes to the fourth line would be nice. The more important thing, the most important thing, is goaltending, though, over these next two games, right? Like, Grubauer's probably going to get one of them, and Varley gets the other.
0: I wouldn't give Grubauer either of these games.
1: I think you... Based on play, I agree, but I think you have to give him one if you're looking towards the future at all. I
2: mean, if they do, they may as well just give him the Preds game and just call it a loss.
1: And that's fine, but you need to... You need to give him a chance to prove he can be a goalie for you going into the future, and I if think
2: he already can't... had that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then you need to do something else to figure out what you're gonna do in the future for a goalie. <laughs> because... I, mean, I, I think you could punt that till after
2: the All Star break. Um, you know, mm. I, I...
0: <sighs> and and this is again something we'll, we'll definitely get into on the extra zone. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But. but uh... If, as for to, right now, I mean, term, I, I
2: agree you need to, you know, you do need to figure out, you know, sort of how your goalies for, are going. But I, just, he, I, I think Parley's I mean, working right now, and you may as well use them.
1: Right, and that's is. that's valid. Gruber situation or not, the Evs need better goaltending than they had over a lot of this stretch.
0: And they play a lot of divisional games to end out the year, but they also play a lot of games that aren't divisional games. And they need these points, and they need them now. Yep. Yep. So, I say we end out the season varley-varley. If they yeah. want to give one of those games to Grubauer, I won't be mad. I'll get it. But it's just not what I would do.
2: If they lose to Nashville and then put Gruby in for Minnesota, I'm going to have a problem with
1: yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be pretty yikes town. You
2: know, <laughs> it, Yeah, I, I mean, if, if, if Gruby ends up winning that game, then I'll you know in hindsight, I'll probably be a little more okay with it. Um, but that's just, that's my worry is that they're going to lose to the Preds with Varley and and then put Gruby in against Minnesota and it's, could be a shit show.
0: Well, we wouldn't want a shit show. No. But even if it is a shit show, you know, you'll be able to, to hear about it right here. I'm, I think we'll probably still come at you the normal time next week, even though they're off from like Thursday on. We will probably still do a, a weekend show like usual, so you can look for us then at SoundCloud uh, or on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com/slash/BurgundyRadio, or on your favorite podcast receiving application, whether it's iTunes or PodKicker or whatever. Um, anything that's RSS based, we're there. You can find us on burgundyrainbow.com, where you can also find the link to the Discord, where you can hop on and and yell at us about all kinds of things. Two games both of them divisional one of them direct competition for those wild card spots pretty important week right before we go away for a little while for a little bit of a miniature august so keep your head up get to the dirty areas and we will see you all next week I really hope they don't lose to Nashville and then start Grubauer on Wednesday. That's a yeah. disaster scenario that uh, I have not considered. Earl <laughs> said
1: that, and I was like, "Oh Jesus, that is terrible." That's <laughs> an
0: awful plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it will be exactly, fine. What if this happens? That's not exactly fine. the scenario fine. I can see
2: them using Grubey in. You know,
0: <laughs> 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 especially if if Farlamov goes out against Nashville and just like poops, like that's yeah. not. Th- then there's no good options.
3: Hey gang, what's happening?
0: Hey, what's up? Hi Vlad.
3: That sure was fun,
0: wasn't it?
2: That was. What was it like in the arena?
3: It was bedlam. People were throwing yeah. beer and peanuts and <laughs> it was almost like old school Muppet Show when they throw the penguins in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's fun. Yeah, the whole beer and peanuts thing are at the end of the game, <laughs> I think there were just some disgruntled fans. Just uh being dumb. Cuz then a whole was bunch of other action actually what, what Yeah, this was right below uh where I usually sit. I just saw a, a fountain of beer, the fountain of peanuts, followed by a second fountain of beer. And then so, a, so it was like, like a beer fans. fight. It, it was a and then a wave of of Avalanche Burgundy as they try to get the guys that were doing this. They just went after and just trying to detain them. Just... I had never seen anything like that.
2: <laughs> I mean, was this like a, a Kings versus Abs fans thing, or just over exuberance at the win? And...
3: It, it could have been any of those things. Yeah. I, my view was partially obstructed, so I couldn't really see who was doing what. All I just saw as I'm getting ready to tweet out some stuff was oh, there's there's some beer that's become a fountain. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, the gold are flowing like beer, and the beer is flowing like beer. Oh, man.
0: That's a mess. <laughs> that is. Yeah, well, yeah.